You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of your disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so, You will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining with us. We are, as a church, currently in a series called Becoming an Isaiah 61 Community. And over the past few weeks, we've been unpacking different sections of this chapter. And this morning, I'd like to look at verse 4. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 4. And it says, And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. These verses are a remarkable picture of hope to Israel who had for so long been oppressed and exiled and now have been really struggling to rebuild. However ruined and devastated things may appear to be, God can rebuild, raise up and repair. And that goes for churches, individuals and communities impacted by God's people as a result of Christ's death, resurrection and ascension. Now, the three focal points that I want to highlight here are rebuild, raise up, and repair. In our vision we cast in early 2020, we spoke of a city that would return not only to its former glory, but far more than that. A city returns to God, a generational shift, a culture that glorifies God in all that we do, a people who love extravagantly. So, rebuild. This first idea is that of rebuilding what has gone, to build again. What once was and has now become broken and has now ceased to function as it intended is rebuilt. To bring back to function and to return it to its full function. This looks like a city that is not known for its lack, not known for its deprivation, not known for its crime or its unemployment, but as a thriving city, a place of vibrancy and life, a city of hope, a city of prosperity. Hull used to be even more vibrant than it is now. It used to be the bustling port of trade. 
full of life and people proud to call it home. And I've only lived in Hull for maybe about five years now, but I've struggled to find another city that is so proud of its heritage, so proud to call Hull home. There's a real grit and determination of the people of this city. There's a foundation built on hard work, and John and I are determined to see this city flourish even brighter, become even more prosperous, and see even more businesses established, even better schools, even safer neighborhoods, for it to become a place that not just the locals love and are proud to be a part of, but that the region and even the nation come to know as a place full of life, and that when you visit here, you know you have encountered something special. The presence of the king. We are convinced that this will be a city mocked by God for his purposes, his kingdom. And that we will see entire generations coming back to Jesus. Next, let's look at the idea to raise up. And this encompasses the idea that what is planted and what is invested in, it is for the hope and for the promise of a crop of the future. It's not quick. It is not immediate. It's intentional. It's time-consuming. It's an effort which requires continual care and an ongoing. It is designed for a sustainable return that reproduces. One that with continued care and attention flourishes and grows again and again and again with fruit and harvest. Tangible results, tangible change. Tangible return on the investment. And I foresee this as looking like a city that is strong. And I just think of mature gardens and fields that with due care and attention are not just a thing of beauty but a place of good produce that continues to be present, a sense of replication, not a one-time crop, but a place of sustainable, constant produce. And when I think of produce, I'm not talking about a literal harvest crop. I'm speaking more of the lives lived to the full in the blessing and the favor of Jesus, lived out in extraordinary love and operating in the kingdom of God daily. John and I fully believe that this will look like the kingdom of God in a church very different to the one that we maybe have become accustomed to or comfortable with. And we aren't suggesting that our DNA changes at all because that never will. We will never deviate from God's word. But I'm talking about what a church looks like. This will change. In order for us to reach people that we have never yet reached, we will have to change. This looks like an all-encompassing welcome to anyone who would come into our home. This is not a social club. There are no membership rules at the door whereby only people who act like us or think like us or sound like us or sin like us could indeed be believe like us would ever be welcomed from the person who has never ever set foot in a church to the most seasoned, most mature Christians here. We are all on a journey. Everyone is welcome. John and I know that this would invite mess and we wholeheartedly roll up our sleeves and say, come. 
Let's eat together, you and me. Let's talk more about that, you and me. Let's live life's ups and downs together, you and me. Our hearts are set on seeing a very diverse people. Children and adults who are not 100% neurotypical and who are loved, who are planned for and provided for. Adults who are trapped in addiction, cyclical addiction, and they are loved just as fiercely as the cleaned up ones are. A place for those who thought they had it all together to be welcomed until they realized that they really didn't have it all together and there was a significant lacking, a significant hole in their lives. Welcomed to come on the journey and learn about the love of a savior. A safe place to ask their questions, previously thought to be too controversial or too much like hard work. A place where they can work out their salvation without condemnation and without any judgment. And can I just go there and say that John and I, our hearts are so happy when we look out and we see so many different ethnicities and people groups and races represented amongst our church. But our hearts ache for more. I mean, surely that's what heaven's going to be like. Our hearts ache for more, more, Lord. Diversify us, God, that we might become a diversified people, united by your blood, working together by your grace to glorify you and increase your family. We long to be a people encountering the presence wherever the day takes the city, with the people of this city. Finally, is the idea to repair. What once was is returned to its original design and purpose. And we love each of these three areas, but I can't help wonder, and I'm reminded of the lost sheep being found. Sure, the 99 are just as loved and cared for, but there's something just so special about restoration. God is completely taken with the idea of restoration. Bringing about what was once the intended design, no matter how far wrong the state of things has become, and to bring it back to work just as God had originally intended it to work. And maybe one of the reasons that we are drawn to this area, an idea of repair, of restoration, is that it exemplifies the value of not just chucking something away or starting again, because it sounds like a bit easier or less messy or would require less effort, but that it requires faithfulness. It requires steadfastness. It requires singing, seeing a thing out to completion rather than the quick fix. It is the work of many generations which has undone things, and it will not be quick in fixing. It's the whole saying, nothing done fast is done well, and nothing done well is done fast. This type of shift requires patience. Recently, as John mentioned last week, as a family, we've just moved house. 
And John and I have hit many a snag and a hurdle with the process. Time and time again, in the great house search, we were just disheartened and at times frustrated that what we were looking for just could not seem to be found. There were many times we seriously rethought the non-negotiable list. Many houses which were unsuitable for one reason or another, or that were very different to how the pictures were represented. And the whole ordeal has required more than we realized in terms of waiting, and patience, trusting, and knowing that God was in the detail, and just time, really. Not a lot of it has been straightforward, and in fact, I struggle to remember much of it that has gone smoothly. And the thing is, just because something requires grit and determination does not mean it's wrong. God never promised us an easy life. And I think that oftentimes people confuse circumstances which are trying and hard and require tenacity with the lack of blessing of God. That if something isn't working, that it mustn't be the will of God. And I just don't think it is as simple as that. I think that is a very reductionistic view of the will of God. Sometimes God allows us to endure trials for our own good. Not that the trial itself is wonderful, but that the result produced is good. The outcome is good. God is far more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. But please don't misunderstand. There's a huge difference in faithfully pursuing something to that of forcing your way through an obviously locked door of disobedience that God just will not bless. In Proverbs 11, 10 and 11, it says that when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked is it destroyed. We long to see the city rebuilt, raised up, and repaired. And we know that as we see God's favor on the city, the culture changes. Everything changes, lives change, and eternities change. The way we live changes, and the way we speak changes. Through the blessing from our mouths comes the prosperity of our city, and to how we speak really does matter. And from the prosperity comes the change. Change in how we behave, change in culture, and from that change, comes the standard to which we can be rebuilt, raised up and repaired back to God's design for this city, for this people. In Psalm 133, verse 1 and 3b, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. In the carrying out of rebuilding, raising up, and repairing, we run headlong into unity in the city. It is in the heart of God that all of his children would live together in unity. And when we begin to do this, we will see his blessing. We will see salvation. He commands a blessing where there is unity. And John in my heart is for the city to be unified 
especially amongst the churches of the area. We know that it is God's will for this, and we will seek every opportunity to see this out. We long to see the salvation of many in this city and beyond, and this begins with unity. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. As we walk out this calling in this city, and as we carry out this vision, John and I have just marveled at the goodness of God to give us such amazing leaders in this community. The vision that we feel God has given to us has undergone significant scrutiny by many advisors, lots of pairs of eyes who advise us because John and I know that we cannot do it all, nor would we want to try. God very much intends for us to lead whilst trusting and leaning on a great number of wonderful leaders. So many times in the past 17 months of leading this church, John and I have just been amazed at how our leaders carry on so faithfully. When we have given them room to grow, they have flourished. And we cannot thank them enough and love that in their heart is a replicating spirit, a desire to raise up others to do just as they do and more. We are determined to see victory in this city and beyond as we carry out the vision entrusted to us. In light of becoming an Isaiah 61 community, and as we rebuild, raise up, and repair the city and beyond. John and I want to highlight <clears throat> some very exciting plans that we have coming up. We are going to be running a Multiply Collective. In this, we will be leading three evening sessions exploring what it means to be a community of multiplication, looking at the various options of forming missional communities strategic groups, strawberry plants, multi-site campuses, and church planting. If this sounds like something you would like to know more about or be a part of, please sign up at the church website, wholevineyard.co.uk. As we become an Isaiah 61 community, as we allow God to do his work in rebuilding raising up and repairing this city and beyond, we will see his favor, his blessing, his outpouring, his kingdom crashing in on this earthly one and lives forever changed. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.